Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear Pastor Vanessa Schlugel as she brings a message on Sunday service. So I just want to welcome you here. Did you enjoy having Pastor Robin speak to you a couple of weeks ago? Wasn't that amazing just watching? Isn't she such a beautiful lady? And, and such a seasoned woman of God, and just it's an absolute blessing to have her as a friend and as a minister in the gospel. Just absolutely wonderful. And also, did you enjoy Terry Walker? Isn't he amazing? Sevil and I were just talking over a meal and we were just saying, thank you God that all of the guest ministry that we have in here and the ones that we bring into the house, they are such genuine, beautiful, wonderful hearted people. And, um, and, you know, to be able to share God's word. And so it's just a privilege for us to know these people and to, to be able to work with them, um, you know, with, in, in, the, in the ways of the Lord. And so I just want to open up in prayer. If, you've, if you haven't got an outline, I'd, I'd, li- I'd encourage you to put your hand up to receive an outline. This is all the scriptures we're going to be covering this morning. I'd encourage you perhaps not to look at it because there's a lot of scripture. It's for your reference. I'll preach them and they'll be on the back screen. Um, and so uh, let's let's um, step out. Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord God, that you're here by your spirit this morning. And Father God, that we open as we open your word, we just thank you, Lord, that faith is present because your word is called the word of faith. And so we want to take hold of everything that you are sharing with us this morning and that you have made available to us, Father God, the, the desires of your heart that you've made available for us. And so we just open our hearts right now. We just turn off every distraction and we just come to hear uh, and sit at your feet, Lord Jesus, and hear your word. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the title of this message, this is part one. Are we echoing? It feels like we are where I am. But anyway, I'll let you guys sort it. Uh, Financial prosperity is God's will for us. Uh, God has given us the power to get wealth. And so we're going to be talking about that. And uh, we felt a stirring in in, in our heart by the Lord um, with everything that we see that's going on and has been going for the, on for the last couple of years. Um, but we felt that God wanted us to focus on His kingdom and on His word and on His will and on His plan for our lives and for the earth. Um, and um, we wanted to talk about His great end time transfer of wealth. We heard that 20 years ago, and I'll get into that in just a moment. And when we were talking to Terry Walker at this time last year, that message was stirring in his heart. And we said, Terry, come back and come and speak on this message so the church can hear it. And so he began and he opened up with that last week. And so we felt that we wanted to continue and we knew we needed to continue with this message. And, um, and, uh, and in order to give that message context, we were talking and we thought, God, we're going to do a, a series on your financial plan for our lives, on your prosperity, on your wealthy place, on what you have for us. And then that's going to give context to the message on uh, the great end time transfer of wealth. And so we're going to be speaking on this right up until Christmas. Christmas. 
And so I'm really excited because we're going to look into the Word and look at every scripture that we possibly can fit into that time and just see what God has to say. And faith is going to rise in our heart and we are going to be able to work with the Holy Spirit to do what He wants and to have Him roll out what He wants to roll out in the earth right now. And so... um, the series, as I said, it's going to take us until Christmas. You see, we heard this message in the 1980s. Is anyone out there? <laughs> um, uh, as young believers, and I want to stay on track because we've just got time here. As young believers, um, it impacted our lives so much that we were never the same again. It absolutely did. In fact, let me just stay on track because otherwise I could wander in a whole lot of directions. Faith came into our heart. We took a hold of God's Word and we lived on it. We had audio tapes. Uh, We spoke the Word of God. We spoke His favor. We spoke His blessing into our lives. We couldn't get enough of this message. You know, and Stephen, if you, we realize that Stephen had come out of, um, he's born in Austria, he'd come out of a very strong religious background where the people um, paid vows of, you know, and, and made vows of poverty to the priests and all kinds of things like that. And so for him to come to New Zealand and to start to hear this message um, that God has given us the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant on the earth, to hear that the blessing of God makes you rich, And he adds no sorrow to it. And to hear from Jeremiah 29, 11, that God says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And so when he heard that, his whole mind had to shift from where he'd grown up for 20 years and to shift into what God said about his life. And so that took some time. And so we heard the message on 3 John, and we're going to get into a lot of these scriptures over this time. 3 John 1, when it says here, Beloved, I wish above all things, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I mean, it's an incredible message. Um, you know, and, and so there was another message here that we, that we heard, and it was the windows of heaven wealth. Now, if you know your scriptures, you'll know what I'm talking about. The windows of heaven wealth. God said, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour such a blessing upon you that there will not be room enough to contain it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so he will not be able to steal the fruit of your ground. And so we heard that message. It was just absolutely amazing. And then we heard the seed, time, and harvest. You sow a seed to meet a need. And I, my goodness me, young 20-year-olds, it was amazing. And so God led us into a Word of Faith church. And we heard these messages. You see, when we'd arrived in Welling, we didn't have anything. We had a car and clothes. And we were newly married, and I had a baby on the way. We were staying with a friend. We had no job. And then, and then we started to hear these beautiful words from God. And as soon as we got a job, the first thing we gave, gave him was the tithe. And we've been giving him and bringing that and presenting that and worshiping him with that from the last 40-odd years. And allowing God to do what he said he will do, open the windows of heaven over us and pour out his blessing. And so we began to hear that. And, so, um, and then finally we heard this message on the great transfer, the great end time transfer of wealth. And we saw in scriptures and we were taught that God's done it in the Old Testament. 
And if he's done it before, he's going to do it again. And he's doing it again in our day. And so for the last how many years, decades, Stephen and I have been anticipating and we have taught it at different times over these years in church about this, about this end time transfer of wealth that God is going to be pouring out and already is in the earth right now. Um, praise the Lord. You know, and, and so we believe that this end time transfer of wealth, and this is just the introduction, everybody, <laughs> that is going to be God shifting the earth resources out of the hands of the wicked who have been killing and stealing and destroying the planet, and he's going to place it into the hands of his righteous. And he's going to use it to finance this great end time harvest of souls. The Bible talks about the latter rain, you know, the, the former rain and the latter rain in Joel. And God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. That started 2,000 years ago. Well, there's a latter rain coming and it's going to be poured out on all flesh. And God needs that finances. He needs his gold to finance this amazing move. So some of you will be leaving your jobs and going full time into the ministry of whatever that is. Maybe in politics, maybe in council, maybe in education, whatever that is. God has got a plan for your life and he's rolling it out right now. Praise the Lord. And so um, some may think, well, can it be possible? The, 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 the economies of the world are crashing right now. And they're just going and they're crashing. But yes, but we come from a kingdom that can't be shaken. The kingdoms of this world are being shaken, but we're in a kingdom that can't be shaken. Isn't that amazing? We've passed from death to life. We've passed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And we cannot be shaken. The thrones of the earth belong actually to the Lord. And he was, he's going to put down some and he's going to raise up some and he's doing it again in our day. You know, Haggai says, and Haggai 2, God says here, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. The glory of the latter temple, that's us, is going to be greater than the glory of the former temple. And so we've got days of glory ahead. And so God wants us to look up because God is about and is already moving in the unseen realms and in places that we don't hear on mainstream media, but he is already moving. And he's awakening his Josephs. He's awakening his Daniels. He's awakening his Nehemiahs. He's waking the Davids. He's awakening the Joshuas and the Caleb's. And he's awakening you to get into the place where God has for you. Praise the Lord. And so it's interesting how God said when he delivered and he transferred the wealth of Egypt into the hands of his children in one night. And God said to Pharaoh through the mouth of Moses, um, he said, I am going to make a difference between my people and yours. And God is about to display his splendor in you. And people are going to see the difference on your life, the glory of God on you. And there's going to be a difference. So much so that the people are going to see you and are going to, and going to want to come on into the family. Because God is so good. This is part of this amazing, wonderful message of the, God, the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Praise God. And so let's have a look here. Don't blame God. I'm putting that down here. Some people are blaming God for the floods that have just happened. They're blaming God for the tragedy, for the fires, for the wars, saying that God has allowed it. And I preached on the, um, the authority of the believer and said that God is allowing it because we're allowing it. Jesus said, whatever you allow on the earth will be allowed in heaven. Whatever you stop on the earth will be stopped in heaven. And so we are the custodians of the earth. We have the authority. We're supposed to be using our mouth and stopping this stuff. 
It's not God, and so we're not blaming Him. And when you listen to that, 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 that on, your, that you're on your screen or your Mac or your TV, click. I'm not listening to that. The Bible says that the people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Now, people that don't know God, I can't say that for them. But when we know our God, that His Word is true, that He's the Alpha, He's the Omega, He's the beginning, and He's the end. Satan doesn't have the end of the story for our dispensation, the church age. God does. He said, I'm coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And so if you want to be part of that number, you are glorious then we're consecrating our lives and allowing God to use us for His purposes. And so the people that know their God, they're going to be strong and do exploits. You know, Psalm says here that when we we make the Most High our habitation, when we come into the secret place of the Most High, Psalm 91, that no evil can befall us, no plague can come near our dwelling. Only with our eyes will we see the destruction of the wicked, but it shall not come near you. It shall not come near you. That's our covenant right. And as that word is in our mouth, we'll see it. But God says it's not going to come near you. Absolutely not. Because we know who our God is. And we know our God and we're strong. And we're here to do great exploits for him at this time. And so when we know that word, so Satan, on your outline, Satan would like to convince the church that it's over for us. Isn't that what we faced in this last two years? Don't let's forget. You know, the governments of this world, like Pharaoh, has mocked the church. They tried to tell us that we're not essential. How dare they? How dare they say the church that God has established, that the King of Kings has established, that he's the head of the church, that he's the head of the body of Christ. And these people say that we're not essential. My goodness me. They're filling this generation with secular education, dumbing down the population with entertainment so they can roll out laws in our nation that are controlling and communistic in every other way. Demonic defiance, demonized people. But God said... I'm the Alpha, and I'm the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And God has got an end for us that is a wealthy place. We are not leaving here in defeat. That is not in God's nature. God has never been defeated. He doesn't know what that looks like. And we are his body. We are his church. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. So when he comes to pick us up, we're going out here in glory. In absolute glory. Can you see? I mean, shout because it's exciting. So let's have a look at this. So God has got days of glory and he's got days of wealth for us. And these messages that we're preaching is about putting his word out there so that faith can come and you and I can take hold of this so that we're ready to do what God wants us to do, ready to receive what he wants us to receive. And so look at this here, Psalm 66. It really speaks of our day, and we're having a look at it in the New Living Translation as well as the King James. It says, we went through the fire, we went through the flood, but you have brought us out into a wealthy place. Isn't that amazing? We've gone through the fire, we've gone through the flood, but God, you 
bring us out into our wealthy place. And so what does that look like? That word wealth is an amazing, you know, sometimes people try to spiritualize some of the words that God means for us in the natural, like money. <laughs> and they try to say, well, it's spiritual. Well, no, we need money to eat and to live, pay our bills, to pay our rent, pay our mortgage, pay our car. And so God is very, very practical when he's speaking. And so that word wealth means running over wealth, saturation, saturation. What does that mean? You're soaked in his wealth. Amen. I receive that. So there is a wealthy place that God still has for us to walk in in our day. And so this is what we're going to be talking about until Christmas time. And maybe he's going to carry on after Christmas. So we get it. And so we can work with him rather than frustrate him. And so we can get our, our thinking organized around him. And so somebody says, like they say for politics, <laughs> Stefan, should we be talking about money in church? Um, well, we talk about money at home, and we talk about money at work, and we talk about money with our family, and we are the church. So <laughs> when you're talking about money, you are the church, and so you're talking. And so it's okay for us to talk when the gathering is here of believers. You know, it's interesting here that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven. Isn't that interesting? And so Satan doesn't want us to talk about the gold. Why? Because he's got a hold of a lot of it. And he knows that God's already given us the gold, but he wants to carry on using it for his purposes. And so we're going to talk about this until you and I get a hold of this, until we actually have the press down shaking together and running over blessings that, are, that God and Jesus talked about. And so there are some believers who think that, again, poverty is a sign of humility. I mean, I've spoken to pastors and friends, well, pastors that, you know, when I've talked about God blessing us, you know, with a, new, with a new dryer or something like that, or I'm buying a new this, she said, well, what do you want to do with that? That money should be given to the missions. And I'm thinking, they don't need my dryer. I need it. <laughs> you know? You know, God has got more than enough. There is no shortage in heaven. It's just the wrong people have it and are holding it back from, from the rest of us. God has no shortage. Absolutely not. He did not create a planet of shortage. He created a planet of abundance. And so this poverty is not a sign of humility. And then there's even some groups in Christian circles where, like Stephen, where he grew up, where the ministers make vows of poverty thinking that this is pleasing God. And then a whole, a whole denomination is, is, is kept in, 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 in bondage to the spirit of poverty and allowing Satan to come in and kill and steal and destroy. And so let's have a look at this. Divine prosperity, I realize it's more than money. And so when we talk about God's divine prosperity, there are some of those who think um, that all I'm interested in is money, and especially if you're preaching, they think, oh, yes, they're trying to get my money. You know, people hold on, hold on to their bags or whatever. I mean, come on. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's, this is what the, the mindset. And where does that come from? It doesn't come from God. And so we've heard, you know, we, we've heard people say, well, there's more important things than money. And yes, there is. We realize that money can't buy your place in heaven. I don't care what you do and how many penances that you pay to the priest. You can't buy your way into heaven. There's one way, and his name is Jesus. He said, I am the door. 
That's the only way we're getting into heaven, and he gave it to us for free. He's the one that paid the price for that. And so I realize also that money can't buy our physical health. I mean, my goodness me, you know, if you've been standing against sickness, that, that oftentimes there is no money that can help that. Uh, you, need, you need to understand the principles that Jesus Christ, by his stripes, you're healed and gets healed supernaturally. Otherwise, um, you know, you're in, a, you're in a challenge because, hey, medical profession can't answer some of these challenges. And also money can't buy peace of mind in our, you know, in our own minds. I mean, there's some very wealthy people that have got very, very disturbed thinking patterns. Um, and so, uh, you know, our relationships. Uh, but I'll tell you what, money certainly helps. <laughs> it can certainly help when you don't have any. Praise the Lord. And so let's have a look at this. You know, so God, God says of himself that he's given us wisdom. You know, the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs says that wisdom comes and in her left hand is long life and in her right hand. No, no, in her left hand. What does it say, Stefan? In her left hand is long life and in her right hand is riches and honors. Yes, yes. And so in the left and the right hand, whichever one it is, God's, God's hands are okay. <laughs> one of them has long life and one of them has riches and honor. And you go after his wisdom and they come with both healing, long life and riches and honor. And so that's what we're getting into this word and, and, and finding out God's will on the matter and not listening to the, the gainsayers. And so let's have a look at this. Number seven, that God is rich. He is not poor. And he tells us to imitate him as dear children. And so the starting point for you and I to experience God's wealthy place, the God kind of prosperity, is we need to understand that God's rich. He is so rich. I mean, you have a look at this. God says the silver is mine. The gold is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills is mine. I mean, we're living on one hill and we only own half an acre. God's got thousands of hills. And all the silver and all the gold is mine. He says, the beasts of the field are mine. Not only that, in Revelations 21, 21, it says here, the 12 gates. God's got 12 gates into his city. How many doors do you have into your home? God has 12. And it says here that each, he said, each individual gate is one pearl and the streets of the city are of pure gold. And so God doesn't have a problem with wealth. You see, what it is, is the wrong people have it and are using it to kill and steal and destroy, as we have said. And so if finances and wealth is a sin, then God would be guilty. <laughs> you see, it doesn't make sense when you start to, to pan this out and to actually debate this and to actually look at Scripture with this. You see, these verses let us know that possessing wealth and riches and having an abundance of every good thing is not the problem. The Bible says it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of it. Uh, and so we don't love money. We're using it as a tool and as a servant to do work for us. That's what we're using it for. We're not loving it. And so if we, have a, if we carry on from there, a, a central theme, and we're just laying a foundation today, and then we're going to uh, get into some of this stuff later in the weeks to come, but a central theme in the Bible is God's intention to bless his creation. 
If we get back to God and we look at the beginning and start at the beginning, when God opens up this amazing story, the first thing God does is he says, let's make man in our own image after our likeness and then let's have dominion over all the earth. Well, that's wealth right there. And then God goes on in verse 28 and God says, and then God blessed them. And then God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Now, what are those words? What are those descriptive words? Fruitful, increase, multiply. Not only that, in that time of creation, God instituted the spiritual law of seed, time, and harvest so that his abundance would be perpetuated through every generation. And Jesus taught on the seed, time, and harvest uh, principle. And when we understand everything that we have in life is a seed, our words are seed, our money is seed, our time is seed. And as you sow your time, you sow your money, you sow your words, you will get a harvest of whatever you sow. Jesus said the sower sows the word. And so we take a hold of God's word and we begin to sow it and it will produce a harvest of whatever that word has said. It's the most powerful thing and we're going to spend a session on that. And so God has instituted these things for us to work with spiritual laws that have an impact into the natural realm. And so let's have a look at this word blessed. If God has blessed me, and this is what Stephen and I were wanting to know, well, if God's blessed us, what does that mean? The blessing means to be happy, to be blessed, to be prosperous, to be envied. Envied? God used that word? Yeah, God says to them, God says to his children, I'm going to make you the envy of the nations. The nations are going to look at you and they're going to envy you. Well, what was God doing there? In the purity of God's heart, that is a righteous envy because God loves the nations. And sometimes all they can do is see and hear. They don't, may not want to listen to a word, but when they see you prospering, when they see you in the favor on you, when they see doors opening for you that no one can shut, and you're a Christian and you say God's done this, it's almost like an advertising campaign. So God does not mind using you as his advertising campaign to bring the unsaved into the kingdom, that you are so blessed that the nations envy you. Praise the Lord. Now you have a look at Terry Meyer. Look at the humility of that man. And he's had hundreds of thousands of dollars move through the hands of that man. And he's still been able to stay humble uh, and, 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 and a humility with that. And so the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. So when the blessing is on you, and God has blessed you, the God, God has blessed you when you came into the kingdom. God has blessed you. So it's on you right now. It's in you and it's on you. Well, what does that do for you? Well, it makes you rich. It makes you rich. That's what it's there for. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord, it makes you rich and it adds no sorrow with it. And Proverbs, it says that the wicked, they store up wealth and riches. But it says that they're all broken inside and they're not enjoying what they have. And so that word, the, the, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he has no sorrow with it. What does that word rich mean? Okay, God, what does it mean? To accumulate. Stephen, empty your garage. <laughs> Amen, ladies. 
Yeah, that's right. I'm not allowed to touch that. Sometimes I do. I sneak in there, pull something out, put it in the bin. Then he goes and looks in the bin and finds it. <laughs> so I've got to find another bin. <laughs> Sometimes I come down to victory. Then he looks in that one. <laughs> Dear, I think he knows his wife. <laughs> anyway, moving on from there. So what does rich mean? To accumulate to grow, to cause you. It's in the causative sense, which means he causes you to grow. So if you're in a business, he's causing that business to grow. If you're working in a corporation, God's going to cause you to grow up the ladder and be an influence. If you're in education or if you're in politics or in council, God's going to cause you to grow. Like Joseph, he went from the prison to the palace, but he, he, was, he was down in the hole and then he went to Pontifus house. He was a servant, then he was put in charge. And then the wife spoke against him and he was thrown in prison. And then he took over the prison and started organizing the prison. Not only that, then, then there was a situation happened about prophecy and he went from the prison and then he went to the palace. What is that? That's the blessing of God on his life. The blessing of God makes you rich and he adds no sorrow with it. And so that's what the blessing should be doing in your life right now as you learn to work with it. Praise the Lord. Let's have a look. Let's carry on here. So that's what the blessing of God does. It causes you to accumulate and to grow rich. You don't start out there. I mean, I know when Steph and I first heard this, we thought it was going to be like the lotto. And all of a sudden, it's all going to fall down. on. We, 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 we realized that God blesses the work of your hands. God says to you, if you don't work, you're not going to eat. That's the kingdom of God. And so God worked six days, then he rested. And so work is a godly principle. And whatever you put your hands to, that's going to prosper. If you don't put your hands to anything, God has got nothing to bless. When the prophet came into the widow's house and she was, and she was poor and she was having to sell her son, what happened with that? She said, I've got nothing. He said, what have you got in your house? She said, I've got a little bit of oil. And he said, you start to pour that oil. Like, go and borrow all the glasses and all the glass jars and start to pour. And so she did what the prophet said. She started to pour and, and jar after jar after jar after jar got filled. She sold that, paid her debt and was able to live on the rest. And so God has got witty inventions for you. That's straight out of the word, witty inventions. But you put your hand to something and then God can speak to you. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things and things are going to stir within your spirit and he's going to start to speak to you. Witty inventions and ideas and God's hand of blessing is upon it and it will increase more and more and make you rich and then you're going to tithe and you're going to give and you're going to bless the humanity. And so you can learn this right from 14 years old. Our kids were tithing when they started to, to work in their, in their pocket money. They started to do that um, and work on those principles principles with the, with the Lord. So praise the Lord. Let's have a look. God established the principle of blessing his creation and then sin came in and the curse came in and sin and death brought poverty. When God came back into the earth with Noah after the flood, after the decimation and he walked out of the ark, what was the first thing that God did? He, he, he brought an offering to the Lord and then God spoke the same words to Noah. He blessed him. It says here, God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That is God's will for the earth. That is God's will for our life. And so Noah left that ark. The whole earth was in chaos, but the blessing was on him. 
and he turned the chaos into a paradise again. That is the power of the blessing of God on our lives. After that, we see God entered into a covenant with a man called Abram. And God spoke to this man because God is, con God is concerned. He is the blesser. He is the giver of all good things. And he wants the earth to be blessed and the people of the earth to be blessed. So he found a man. It wasn't just good enough just to have one. He found a man and he, says, he said, Abraham, he says, get out of your father's house and come to a land that I am going to show you. And I am going to make you great. And I am going to bless you. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so Abraham left his father's house, left his country that he knew. And he went and he started to follow a God that he could not see. And God blessed that man. He made him great. The nations around, them, around him feared him because he was such a man of stature, such a man of, 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 of cattle, and, and he just kept on increasing more and more. And then that same blessing, God blessed Isaac. And when there was a time of famine and he was going to go down to Egypt and he was going to start to do things the way of the world, God said to, to Isaac, you stay in the land and you sow. Don't you leave and you go back down to Egypt because as you stay in the land and you carry on sowing. And the Bible said he reaped in the same year when everybody else was in famine. The blessing of God on his life. And we find the same thing with Jacob. Look at David and David's time. You see, the children of Israel got a hold of this message on the blessing of God wanting them to be rich, God wanting them to prosper. And so David, when he was king, the Bible says here that he piled up silver as stones outside the city because it was such an abundance. And then Solomon stepped, uh, stood on the shoulders of his father and he was blessed even more than his father. And the Bible says there was nobody in all the earth that has ever been as rich as Solomon was. And the queen of Sheba came up from Africa because she'd heard about um, King Solomon. And when she came up, she said, the half has not been told me of what God has, your God, your God has blessed you with. And then she gave him gifts. And you get in the word and you read what she gave him. Oh my goodness. There's huge gifts that she gave him. So she was a wealthy woman. And then he turns around and he turns around and piles back gifts on her. <laughs> read the story. It, it just totally transforms our mind as a God of, a, as a God of abundance. And so let's move on. God takes pleasure in your prosperity. He's a father. And if you're a parent, when your children prosper and they do well and they're promoted, that brings pleasure to you as a parent. And there's a scripture here that it says in, in Psalm 35, 27, it says here, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. That's a, that's a memory verse. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Well, Father God, what is your righteous cause? Then I have pleasure in your prosperity, Vanessa. That's my righteous cause. Isn't that very, in your face, religious devils. In your face, devils of poverty, God's pleasure and His righteous cause is that I prosper. 
And so we need to boldly be speaking this out and agreeing with God. God says, how can the two of us walk together unless we be agreed? If you keep on saying, I don't have enough, I can't afford it, I don't, I, I, I'm not able to buy this, not able to do that. God says you should be having lands and houses. So God doesn't want you to have one house. And that's what we've picked up on. When you read again in Deuteronomy, God says, I want you to have lands and houses. And I've underlined that in my body. In my body. I've underlined that in my Bible. <laughs> I've underlined that in my Bible. And so we have deliberately gone out to buy houses and to buy, things, buy properties. I mean, I think we've had 11 over, over the time that we've had because God said it. And we thought we're just going to do this because God said it. When we were just young kids, we ended up buying a half-acre section, and, and we ended up build, building, building units, four-bedroom units. We bought another property, subdivided that, put that property on it, done all kinds of things just because God said we could do it, and just pushed ourselves and stretched ourselves. And that's why we were running a church as, just young, as, as young kids. Because we can just do that. You see it in the Word, and then you step out in wisdom and, 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 and do what God has said that we are anointed to do. Praise the Lord. And so God's righteous cause is that he takes pleasure in your prosperity. And look at that scripture here. God wants you to say it continually. Say it continually. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in my prosperity because I am his servant. And so I want to amplify that because I am his servant. I'm not here to tell God what to do, and I'm not here to try and be arrogant and proud. I'm doing this because I want to serve you. And when you bless me, I've got more to give. If I haven't got enough, I've only got a little bit to give. But when I've got more than enough, I can pour it out. Praise the Lord. God said that he would teach us to profit. Isaiah 48, 17 says, he says that I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you, to profit and lead you by the way you should go. And so if profiting was a sin and God's teaching us to sin, you see, it doesn't make sense. So God says, I am the Lord, your God. And you come to me, you get out of your family, you get out of your house, you get out of your old life, and you come and follow me, and I'll take you to a land, and that land is a land that's flowing with milk and honey, and it's got houses you didn't build, it's got vineyards you didn't plant. Amazing. And I'm going to teach you how to do it. I'm going to teach you how to do it. Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, 18. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God. And at God said, he says, when you're rich, and I've blessed you so much, the scripture on here, uh, Deuteronomy 8.18, and verse 17, God says, when you come into the land that's flowing with milk and honey, and you get the houses, and you get the vineyards, and you get all of this stuff, he says, I want you to remember that it's the Lord your God that has given you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant upon, uh, on the earth as he swore to your fathers. And so when this wealth is coming in, we make sure that we're here on the Sabbath. We make sure that we are here on the Sunday and that we're not using our, all of our wealth and all of our new toys that we've bought and saying, oh, I don't, have now, I don't have time for you now, God. 
No, there's some things that we, we, we saw in the word here and we followed the generals of faith in the Old Testament and we followed the word of God and we've said, God, when the, when the money comes in, you get the, you get the first, you get the top. You get the first of it. We're not touching it until you've got it. And we hand that to you in our worship. And that's exactly what Isaac said. When he went away from his father and he went down to Laban and, he, and, and the stairway was filled and he, he put his head on a rock and he slept in the desert. And then he saw the stairway of heaven and angels going up and down from heaven. And he says, my God, surely this is the place of God. And he made an offering to the Lord. And he said, if you will bless me and if I will return to this place as a great army, and it's a great company. He says, everything that I have gotten, I'm going to give you a tithe of all. And so we need to understand that we are his servants. And we are here to serve him. And if God can trust us, because you see, God, riches, um, riches have wings and they can fly. And so if we, don't have our, if, we, if we don't have our heart set on the Lord, that riches can up and it can go. But when we understand where it comes from and that it is he, Deuteronomy 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, that it is he that has given you the power, the ability to get this wealth, that he may establish his covenant that he said, that he, that he promised to your fathers as it is this day. And so poverty was never the will of God for our lives. Poverty is never the will of God for your life. Poverty entered, and it was a result. It came in as a result of the curse that entered the earth when Adam sinned. Adam, Adam was born, created to live forever. Nothing died before he sinned. And then the Bible says, when sin came, death came, poverty came, destruction came. And then everything experienced that after that. But you see, God did not curse the earth. Sin, it was sin that opened the door to the curse. And so what is the curse? The scholars, some of the scholars talk about the, what, what this curse is, and they say that it's poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. So the curse, and you can read the curse in Deuteronomy 28. The first uh, 14 verses, 1 to 14, is the blessings that it shall come upon you if you, if, if you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to do, what, uh, to do all of his commandments as it is this day, then all of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. Your basket will be blessed. Your storehouse will be blessed. It says you'll lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. But if you do not, this is all the curse. And, and it lists the curse and this poverty, sickness, destruction that's listed in there. And we're not a part of that curse. The Bible says that we have passed from death to life. The Bible says that Jesus Christ became a curse for us. That God laid the curse upon Jesus and as, as our substitute. That the blessing of Abraham can come upon the Gentiles by faith. That we may receive the promise of the Spirit and of the Father. And so we are living now under the blessing of Abraham we're living under the blessing of Jesus Christ. We're living under the blessing that God had given to the planet before sin took part and took hold of this earth. And so praise the Lord. Let's have a look at that. In fact, I've, I've done those scriptures that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse. In fact, look at the scripture as we're just moving on quickly. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 in the Amplified. It says here that Jesus was so very rich. I love that in the Amplified, that Jesus <clears throat> was so very rich, <coughs> excuse me, yet for your sake, 
He became so very poor in order that by his poverty, you might become enriched and abundantly supplied. So we don't have to pay any debt for our sin, any debt to the curse of poverty. Jesus paid that debt for us. He was our substitute. <clears throat> you see, Jesus not, did not become poor. You know, people sort of say, well, he was poorly, and, and they try to make out this religious, demonic thinking that he was poor and he was not a wealthy man when he was on the earth. He gave up his wealth the last few days before he went to the cross. He was a man that was walking in the blessing of God. In fact, when he turned up on the scene, he reinstated the blessing of creation, the blessing on Noah, the blessing on Abraham. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, what is the gospel to the poor? You don't have to be poor no more. That is the blessing. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to, ex to, to, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, which means all God's ownership, all God's blessing comes back upon you. And so Jesus opened his ministry with that. And so people that thinking that Jesus was poor, no, he wasn't. He knew how to operate in the blessing of God. He was able to heal the blind when they needed healing. What's that? That's prosperity, physical prosperity. He was able to raise the dead. He was able to take 5,000 people out to lunch. How about that? <clears throat> he had 12 men that were working for him for three years. He was clothing them, feeding them, and housing them for three years. You need to be some kind of a businessman to be able to finance that. Not only that, he had a treasurer. His name was Judas. And he was, he was the guy that held the bag. And there was so much money in that bag that Judas was taking money out of it and stealing. And none of the disciples knew. Jesus knew by the Spirit of the Lord that he was stealing. And so there was an abundance in Jesus' ministry to the point where when he was crucified on the, cloth, on the cross and they took his clothes, it was such a fine piece of clothing that the soldiers would normally take before somebody was crucified and they would tear it and they would split the cloth up between the soldiers. But they decided they think this is actually a very good quality clothing here. And so the Bible said that they threw dice to see who was going to get it because it was a very expensive piece. And so Jesus walked in the blessing of God until the last two or three days when he needed to be tried by those four courts, found not guilty, but crucified anyway. He says, no man takes my life. No man takes my prosperity. I'm going to lay it down. And when I'm ready, I'm taking it back up again as our substitute. And so God wants us to understand. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and you be in health, even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers even as your soul prospers. And so right now your soul has been hearing the word and prosperity is being preached into your mind, is going into your spirit and it's going, to, it's going to produce a harvest of prosperity financially, prosperity in your physical body because that's what the word is empowered to do. That word prosperous in, in 3 John 1, 2, prosperous in all things, it means to succeed in business affairs to have a prosperous journey. 
And so God's wealthy place, just as we've got a, just another five minutes, if you, if you, if you uh, keep focused with me, that God's wealthy place, his prosperity includes spiritual prosperity, being born again. It includes your soul prosperity, which is exactly what that, as your soul prospers, as your soul prospers that I wish that you would prosper and be in health in all things as your soul prospers. And so there's, there's mental prosperity, renewing your mind to God's word. Then there's physical prosperity, walking in divine health. And then there's social prosperity, being able to get on with others, and be able to forgive yourself, be able to just believe in who you are in Christ. And then there's also financial prosperity. So all of those areas, God's a holistic God. And so just as we, 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 we begin to close that, I just want to finish with this, that God's blessing and his divine prosperity, it's not automatic. Just the same as healing is not automatic. It belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. He's already been given to you. God's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That is Ephesians 1.3. He, he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. It all belongs to us. But there's so many Christians in poverty and, 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 and debt, sick, dying, all kinds of things. Why? Because they haven't understood how to step into that. And so how do you step into that? And we're going to get into this over these weeks to come. Where God says that, and I'll, I'll read the scripture again. Uh, Psalm 66, where God says, you've been through the fire. You've been through the flood. But I've brought you out into a wealthy place. Now we have a look at that. It's almost like salvation. Before we were born again, we were in the fire. We were in the flood. What did, what did Christ do? He brought us out of that into his wealthy place. And so you are already in this wealthy place right now. What did God say to Abraham? Get out of your father's house. Get out of your, 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 the country that you're in. Come into a land that I'm going to show you. A land of milk and honey. And so we need to be prepared to come out from where we are, if we aren't already. Come out of that in our thinking. You may, be, you may be spiritually out of that, born again, but in your thinking, coming out of that and coming into this land that I will show you and start to feed on these scriptures. This is a land of milk and honey. This is a land of rivers flowing down where the water, where, where the rivers water the land. Vineyards, houses, lands. Abundance. Look what Joseph was able to do in a time when there was, where there was, there was drought all through the, the, the earth at the time. And God had downloaded wisdom to turn it all around before that drought happened beforehand. And so God says, if you are willing and if you are obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. And so why don't we have the ushers come right now in the worship team. And we're just going to take communion together and we're just going to um, just... Give this to the Lord and take communion, which represents his body, which represents his blood. And even, even from today, I just believe that the presence of God is here. God's, God is on this message. This is on his heart. These are the first words he spoke to his creation. I bless you. The first words he spoke into creation was, I bless you. I empower you to prosper. I want you to be rich. I want you to live in my wealthy place. Jesus said, pray, pray. How do we pray, Jesus? You pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done as it is in heaven. What is that? God's wealthy place. God's wealthy place. 
Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.